If you are under construction and committed to living life like it matters, you have found a home. Check us out on Facebook where we post new shows every day. Facebook.com slash LIM Radio. For information on my transformational leadership training where I teach you how to live life like it matters, go to likeitmatters.net. And if you have a spiritual appetite, check out my daily devotional with some wisdom from above at wayofwarrior.blog. That's wayofwarrior.blog. The time is now to live life like it matters. So welcome to the world of Mr. Black. Welcome to Like It Matters Radio. I am he, Mr. Black. You are you, and the time is now for Like It Matters Radio. This is where we're living life like it matters. And today on Like It Matters Radio, we're going to be talking about the writing on the wall. You know, the writing on the wall, it's an idiomatic expression that suggests a a portent of doom or misfortune, right? It comes from the story of Belshazzar's feast in the book of Daniel, right? The writing on the wall, uh, I forgot, I think I got this from Wikipedia, is a presentiment, a presentiment or predication, prediction of disaster. The terms come from the Bible, Daniel 5, 5 through 31. If you don't know the story, during a great feast held by King Belshazzar, a mysterious hand appears and writes some words on the wall. Uh, Daniel, who's a, a basically a prisoner, a slave, a captive, uh, is called to interpret this message and tells the king it's a sign of his coming downfall. Later that night, actually, Belshazzar uh, is killed, and Darius of Persia takes over his kingdom. Uh, the term is sometimes put as the hand writing on the wall. And it's so powerful because I really think that so many people today are lacking vision. Vision's the ability to see into the future. Vision's the ability to see how things play out. Vision is about uh, consequences and choices. You know, we're making choices. We are program creatures. Uh, and today we're going to talk about where does that programming come from? What dictates how we turn out? It is not a surprise how many people turn out. Every once in a while you'll hear this. Wow, it's very surprised. Wow, that guy wasn't big enough. He shouldn't be playing football. Or that person should be dead. Or that person should have never been here. There are those exceptions. But many times if you look at trauma, if you look at drama, if you look at screwed up lives, I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, anybody paying attention could have looked back five years ago, could have looked back 10 years ago and told you what was going to happen. And they could have told you the writing was on the wall. Uh, it's right in front of you. We, we know exactly what's going to happen. So from Daniel 5, this is the ESV, uh, chapter, uh, verse 24. Then from his presence, the hand was sent and this writing was inscribed. And this is the writing that was inscribed. Mene. Mene teko parson. This is the interpretation of the matter. Mene. God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Teko. And again, I don't speak a good Hebrew, so teko. T-E-K-E-L. You have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Press. Your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Then Belshazzar gave the command, and Daniel was clothed with purple. A chain of gold was put around his neck. Isn't that incredible? And a proclamation was made about him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. Why was this slave, why was this uh, prisoner, this captive, made the third in the kingdom? Because he had eyes to see and ears to hear, because he had vision. Because Daniel could show how things connected, what things meant. And the Bible goes on to say that very night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was killed. And Darius the Mede received the king, sorry, received the kingdom, being 62 years old. Now, here's the cool thing. Not a shot was fired. They were told the, 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 the Persians were coming, the Medes were coming. Uh, and what they did is they backed up the waterway and the Medes actually went in the underground water duct. And there was very little battle going on. The, one of the greatest kingdoms in the world was overtaken. One of the, great, the Babylonian kingdom, one of the greatest in the world was overtaken. And the writing was on the wall. It's a duh. It, it, all you got to take a look at what is going on. And today, that's what I want to talk about. 
things should not be a surprise. See, it's an interesting time that we live in. Everything is changing. What used to be reality now seems like a, an altered version of a storied past. Many people fear change. That's the big fear because you know why? Because if things change, they fear a loss of control. The old saying is that if it ain't broken, don't fix it. See, we have a tendency to pick the enemy we know versus the enemy we don't know. The change that we are encountering might be good or might be bad. It might make things better or might make things worse. This is not the point. The point is that many people have just figured out how to survive, how to get through their current situation. And change means adaption and possible loss of control. And I have to tell you, after years of working with leaders and the draining power of fear, I do believe that fear of the unknown, which means not being in control, is one of the most debilitating, demoralizing fears that there is. With Like It Matters, I have many roles. You know, I'm a radio show host, I'm a trainer, I'm a counselor, I'm a teacher, I'm a pastor, a coach, a psychotherapist, a, 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 a layman psychother- uh, psychologist, if you will. But I also have many other additional roles. And one of my favorite roles is that of a life caddy. See, as a life caddy, I have another set of eyes to help people see their options, to consider another possibility. See, this allows for someone to be fluid, to be flexible, and those are two of the great qualities of great leaders. And today, we're going to delve into some of the work of Dr. William Marston, just on the surface, and Dr. Stephen Covey. See, both these doctors gives us something to consider in regaining the control of our life and removing the confusion. Because think about this. If we did have an enemy, for children of God, of course we have an enemy, the world, our flesh, the devil. But maybe some of you aren't children of God. So, but consider if you had an enemy, his, her, it, they, them, right? Whatever the pronoun it uses is, their greatest weapon formed against us would be confusion. You see, when people are confused, they don't speak up. When people are confused, they don't stand up. They don't sit down. They don't act up or, or act out or look up. In other words, confusion keeps us from acting and thus doing what we should be doing to become who we are becoming. See, Dr. Marston taught us that individuals, we deal with two foes. Those foes are our environment and our own personal power, what I call the Superman innate intellect. The, your self-confidence, the way you feel about yourself dictates so much. So the environment and our personal power, those are our two adversaries. However, what gives power to these foes is our BS, our belief system. Not our beliefs about just anything, but our beliefs about our ability and about our ability in relation to our environment. See, Dr. Marston posits we either feel our environment is favorable toward us or unfavorable. And we feel in relation to our own personal power that we are more powerful. In other words, we can handle anything or we feel we cannot handle our environment that we are less powerful than the environment itself. And this matrix of choices is demonstrated in the behavioral patterns uh, identified by the DIS psychometric. Now, when you pair that with the circles of Dr. Covey, remember Dr. Covey's seven habits of highly effective people? And the circles of Dr. Covey marked with Dr. Marson's uh, understanding of how we operate, we're either moving toward or away from things, really helps us take back our power, really helps us take back our freedom. And you remember the circles, the circle of concern and the circle of influence. According to Dr. Covey, highly effective people spend far more energy focusing on their circles of influence rather than on their circle of concern. The basic idea is that instead of spending a lot of energy thinking about and getting angry about things you don't influence, you know, like the weather, the economy, environment, what if we spent our time and our energy on things we can influence? And that's our lives. That's our thoughts. That's our belief systems. That's our narrative. That's our inner dialogue. Remember, we have 30 to 60,000 thoughts today. See, in today's confusing America, it's hard to get our bearings straight. We sometimes need some assistance. And that's why I do what I do. And that's why I do it with heart, body, and soul. I bring my knowledge, my wisdom, my experience, my failure, my trauma, and those patterns, that understanding of 30 years of working with people, of walking intimately with 15,000 people, to help you create better writing on the wall. 
Because as I looked up the saying of the writing on the wall, it always seemed to be negative. But I'm going to tell you right now, when you live your life like it matters, when you treat your life like you have a purpose, when you get up each day to serve the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, I'm going to tell you right now, that action creates a much different vision. That action creates a much different writing on the wall. So today on Like It Matters Radio, we're talking about patterns that create the writing on the wall that is our future. Leadership Awakening impacts even the seasoned pros. Take a listen to these comments from Kevin, who recently attended Leadership Awakening. I've struggled with a lot of things. I've been in so many different trainings, followed Tony Robbins, John Maxwell, all these great self-development gurus, but I have never went through a training as difficult and as intense as that 48 hours that we went through. What we went through was absolutely amazing, and I'd love to share it with as many people as I could. I kept being told on how intense this training was going to be, that it was going to be difficult. And I mean, I've walked on hot fire. I've broken arrows. I've walked on glass. I've done so many things. I thought, how hard could this be? Well, the number one thing that I gained from Leadership Awakening was another level of awareness. If you're ready to go to another level of awareness, go to likeitmatters.net. Just click on Schedule to register for the next Leadership Awakening class near you. That's likeitmatters.net. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. This is where we're living live like it matters. And I'm on my way up to Colorado for a few days. Going to see some Toby Mac. uh, And then off for my yearly mission trip to Sturgis with FreeBikeWash.com. So please pray for us. I'll be in Sturgis all week next week. uh, Serving people. uh, Washing bikes. Shining shoes. uh, But basically uh, helping people put some good writing on the wall. And that's really uh, what we're talking about today. You know, that saying writing on the wall has a a kind of a negative connotation. It it goes back to Daniel 5, and it's really about uh, Belshazzar. You know, uh, Belshazzar, I think was grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, was uh, never really worked for anything, was handed a lot of things, didn't appreciate things, was a privileged, uh, thought he was better than everybody else, and uh, mocked the living God. Uh, And boy, at some point, our choices have consequences. That's what the writing on the wall is all about. It doesn't have to be negative. I think if you live your life nobly, I think if you uh, honor your spouse, no matter what they do, if you love that woman like Christ loved the church, even though she's not lovable, women, if you respect that husband uh, like God calls you to, even when they're not respectable, uh, I think there's some writing on the wall that's good writing on the wall. And then that writing on the wall could say something like, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into my kingdom. You've been uh, done well with little. Uh, You will do well with much. Whatever the words are. But what writing on the wall? That's how you live your life. When you live your life like it matters, you begin with the end of the mind. And you think about how you want to be remembered. You actually put some writing on the wall. Maybe it's on a piece of paper. It's called a eulogy. But... It's writing on the wall. It's how did your life play out? And this is what we got to understand. We got to quit blaming everybody else for our choices. We got to, I mean, we got to understand this is where it comes down today. I want to talk about this. There's really four things that dictate, you know, what the writing on the wall is. Your beliefs, your values, your self-talk, your, your operating system. Those four things dictate the writing on the wall, those four things, if you took a look at those four things, they would tell you how things are going to end up. They would tell you if you're a child of God or not a child of God. And they would tell you uh, if you made an impact or didn't make an impact. It's not chance. It's not random life. You're not George Floyd. You're not going to be remembered for how you died. See, there, you can be remembered for how you died or how you lived. And there's a lot of people who live terrible lives. But because they die in a way that other people think is unacceptable, now all of a sudden they're risen to hero status. A hero is someone that puts themselves in harm's way to help somebody else. A hero is not someone who is playing around in harm's way and caused a lot of pain and then other people use that to hurt other people. That's not a, that's not a hero. See, it goes back to this thing, the dictionary. 
And we're going to do a show about that. You're all speaking the same language or speak, using a different dictionary. Because words matter. Words are programming. And what you got to realize is right now, words are being redefined right in front of us. Why are we so confused? Because we don't know if we're a boy or a girl. We don't know what words mean. We don't know if America is good or bad. We don't know if we're supposed to be proud of being American or, or bitter about being American. We don't, I mean, we don't, we're so confused and it's getting worse and worse and worse. This is why I want to give you back some power because when we're confused and things are in chaos and we feel that we have no choice, then we don't consider the writing on the wall. And when you don't consider the writing on the wall, how things are going to end, you don't really worry about your choices today. And that's a big problem because then I can guarantee you the writing on the wall is going to be bad. And so I want to give you two things. You know, remember it was Dr. Viktor Frankl who told us that between the stimulus and the response, there's a space. And in that space is your power. It is your freedom. And so we have the power. We have the freedom. It doesn't come from Joe Biden. It doesn't come from the deep state or state-run media. It doesn't come from China or Russia. It comes from God. God made us. We were made in the image of God. And so we got to take control. We got to focus on those things we can change and, and control. And those things we can't pray about. Maybe affect change. But you know what? What you're doing today is going to have consequences. The great that you're doing or the nothing that you're doing is going to create a writing on the wall. Following after God or not following after God is going to create a writing on the wall. Honoring your fellow man or not honoring your fellow man is going to create a writing on the wall. And so let me, first of all, touch on Covey's two circles. Remember in the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which, by the way, I highly recommend. Uh, you know, I'm not a big Stephen Covey fan, but he did some good stuff. And I do like the book, Seven High, uh, Habits of Highly Effective People. And I thought it was sound. Uh, I think it's good uh, management technique, leadership technique. And so you got to realize that there's a circle of concern and there's a circle of influence. Circle concern are things that we're concerned about, things that we're worried about, things that bother us, things that stir us up, whatever phrase you want to use. And then there are things that we can influence. In other words, something that we can do to improve the situation. And so many people focus on problems, but they don't take a look at the solution. One of the things I do, one of the big 20 blocks of leadership is focusing on problems. And I tell people who have employees who work with them who are very problem-centered, uh, centralized, uh, always see the, what's wrong with something, to mandate that if they bring you a problem, they bring you a potential solution. And I had one guy ask me one time, well, what if it's not the right one? So what? It's not about it being the right one. All you're doing is changing their focus between what could be wrong and what might be right. So we have a tendency to focus on things we, we're concerned about, the environment, our finances, our physical health, uh, uh, our phys uh, being single, uh, the future. You know, the old saying is worry. Worry is paying interest on debt you might not owe. Worry. Worry is getting your body all worked up for possibilities that never might happen. Matter of fact, if you look at the word worry, the Spanish word for worry, preocupado. Preocupado, do you hear it? Preoccupied. Remember, you cannot be in two different places at the same time. It cannot be day and night at the same time. You cannot be grateful and a victim at the same time. You cannot be fully present in the now moment and preoccupado at the same time. See, in my class at likeitmatters.net, we go 48 hours. 48 hours of training. You show up, I meet you at 5 o'clock on Thursday. We have a meeting. Your graduation completed by 5 o'clock on Saturday. 48 hours. And when people leave there, they swear they've been there two weeks. Because what happens, we teach people how to still time. We teach people how to live in the now moment. We only function at a, a 3 to 5% conscious level. Only 3 to 5% of our brain is used consciously. The rest is at the unconscious level. 
And yet everything we experience in life is stored at the unconscious level. We might not consciously remember it, but it's there. Why do you think sometimes in crime scene reenactment they do hypnotization? Because they know that person has a lot of stuff that they picked up in the unconscious that their conscious is not aware of it. And so what I'm telling you, when you hypnotize someone, you have them go into the unconscious, you delve around and clean up that stuff that was in there from the experience that that person doesn't consciously remember. Just so you know, that's what's going on. It's tapping into the unconscious mind. Now, whether you think it's credible or not, that's a different show, a different story. But that's what they're doing. And the handwriting on the wall is clear enough that they know that it is good enough to at least open some more data that they didn't have at the worst case scenario. And many times I've seen it. They've actually described and did an artist rendition of the person from their subconscious mind, but conscious they couldn't remember. And I've seen the picture match the person who did the crime. I watch a lot of these shows. And so you got to remember, it is our focus that matters. Are you focused on the circle of concern, the circle of influence? If you take a look at everything in your life, the whole set of things in your life called everything, inside of that set is a circle of things that bother you. And inside of that circle is a smaller, uh, right, is a smaller circle within that circle called the circle of influence. And that really needs to be where our focus is. I've seen them cross a little bit. I think they call them concentric circles, where you have one circle of concern, and then you have it overlapping a circle of influence. And where those two overlap, those things that concern you and that you have an effect on, impact on, that's where you should spend your time. But again, it's always about focusing on a possible solution. You know, I have a saying that when all else fails, do something. Movement causes a lot of things. Because when you change your position, you change your perspective. And so instead of being just worried about the environment, focus on something you can do. Maybe recycle your plastic. A friend of mine, Dave, wherever he walks around, he picks up trash. Uh, he plants trees. Instead of uh, worried about your personal finances, learn new skills, find a new job, uh, start doing something different to save money or invest money. Instead of worrying about your physical health, do something about it. Exercise for 20 minutes. Uh, start limiting things you put in your pie hole. Uh, start uh, having some self-discipline. I've lost close to 70 pounds. And it's funny, I see people and they don't even say anything. I've lost almost 70 pounds in seven months. And believe it or not, I think two people have said anything to me at all about my weight loss. Stunning. It's like they don't even know I've lost 70 pounds. I've lost two of my little sons. Uh, and yet people don't even notice. You know, instead of worrying about being single, work on your social skills so you can be a more meet more potential partners, be a better mate. Instead of worrying about a future, what if you start putting things in place today that would help you create a better tomorrow? See, there's cause and effect. There, there's the chain of causation. There's the law of causality. We don't teach that anymore. That choices have consequences. We're so wrapped up in our freedoms. Don't tell me what to do with my body. Don't tell me what to do with my life. Don't tell me who I have to marry. Well, boy, undoubtedly, you're not a child of God. Because the Bible says clearly that it's not you who lives, it's Christ who lives in you, that you were bought for a price. It's not yours. It's not yours to choose anymore. See, ladies and gentlemen, everything we do have consequences. And those consequences play out the end of our life. And some people call it the writing on the wall. So today on Like It Matters Radio, that's what we're talking about. After the break, I'm going to give you some ways to control what the writing on the wall is going to be. Give me 48 hours and I will give you a new beginning. Give me 48 hours and I will give you hope. Give me 48 hours and I will give you your power back. Because between the stimulus and the response, there is a space. And in that space is your freedom. It is your power. At Like It Matters Leadership Awakening, 48 hours will change the course of your life. Discover the very purpose of your life, along with the ability to achieve. Give Mr. Black 48 hours in the next Leadership Awakening. Sign up at likeitmatters.net slash schedule. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. This is where we're living live like it matters. And today we're talking about writing on the wall. You know, when you live your life like it matters, the writing on the wall is going to be pretty good. Here lies someone great who done some great things, who impacts some great people, who made a great difference. And it's not about you, ladies and gentlemen. It's about those that come after you. It's about who you serve. And so today we're talking about the writing on the wall because we're confused 
Our dictionaries are changing. We don't know what words mean anymore. We don't know if we're supposed to be patriotic or not. We don't know if we're supposed to love the flag or not. We don't know if the founding fathers are good or not. Heck, we believe today that people like me, white Christians, white conservatives, are the biggest threat to America. Not ISIS, not China, not Russia, not fentanyl. I mean, listen to the programming. And that the biggest threat are white conservatives. They're out there killing black people, and black people have no hope. And black people are so picked upon, and life's not fair for them. And all white people are evil, and all black people are... I mean, this is the programming. And you guys laugh, or you guys think it's not a big deal. It is destroying us. This is programming. This is how we work. This is Joseph Goebbels. This is called mass formation. Google it. Group hypnosis. I mean, Joseph Goebbels, the, the propaganda minister of Hitler, the, he wrote books about this. They've studied this for decades. What's going on is in political science now is an advancement of social sciences. How do you manipulate people? How do you move people? I mean, I've been cells all my life. What do you think cells is all about? Now, you hear manipulation and you think it's bad. It doesn't have to be bad. Manipulation only for ill-gotten gain is bad. Parents, good parents manipulate their kids all the time to be successful. God sets us up all in advance. I prepared good works in advance, Ephesians 2.10. That's called manipulation. I prepared for you in advance good works for you to walk through. It says it right there. For I know the plans I have for you, Jeremiah 20 and 11, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans for hope in the future. God knows what he wants for you. God has situations set up. God has divine appointments. God has opportunities for you to serve him if you want to. That's called manipulation. Setting things up behind the scenes to cause an outcome. And a good leader creates an environment where people can be manipulated for good, not for their own personal gain, but for that person's good, for the good of the whole cause, to patterns. We are pattern creatures. And so we were talking about circle of influence and circle of concern because we got to learn what to focus on because we move in the direction of our focus. See, whenever you're working, uh, getting worked up over something, ask yourself, what can I do to change the situation for the better? Instead of getting stressed out, freaked out, and creating a terrible outcome, what if you reframed it and said, listen, uh, let me get some good ideas. Let's change this. Let's cause some change. When all else fails, do something. I've lived by that. When all else fails, do something. Because you change your position, you change your perspective. And no one responds to reality. We respond to our map of reality. We're not responding to what things are happening. We're responding to what we believe are happening. We're not responding to what another person's doing. We're responding to what we believe another person's doing. We don't respond to what is actually going on in the world today. We respond to what we believe. And until you understand the difference between what I just said, it, it's just all hogwash. Because some of you think I'm saying the same thing. I'm saying two totally different things. And I'm going to suggest you listen to this radio show a little more often to understand the difference. I'm saying two totally different things, yet some of you are hearing the same exact thing. See, if you really can't think of anything to make a change, positive, you're wasting valuable time and energy worrying about the issue. Let it go. If you can't affect change, if you can't change it, then you need to redirect your resources to an area where you can actually make a difference. You know, in Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, there's a diagram very similar, right? Talks about that. Highlights the two main areas where you can spend your energy. You can spend it on things that you're worried about or things that you're concerned about. And where those things that you're worried about and concerned about come together, that's really where highly effective people spend a majority of their time. The idea is that instead of spending a lot of energy thinking about getting angry about things you don't influence, like weather, economy, environment, spend your time on things you can influence. And see, this is what I do, but what we're dealing with is BS. We're dealing with belief systems. And you got to realize a lot of this is hardwired. A lot of this is family of origin. It's not your fault. You know, I get referred to a lot of people. I've been changing lives for 30 years. So I have a good friend of mine, Edgar Rubio, with a car medic. He's working out the gym in Longview, Texas, which is about two, two and a half hours outside of Dallas. It's by the Louisiana border. It's where we do our adventure class with Edgar. And so he's got this guy in the gym. 
and uh, uh, see is a native uh, uh, Indian name. Looks like an Indian name. Uh, and the guy says, uh, Edgar says, uh, talk to this guy. The guy's lost, wants some help, wants to find his purpose. And he says, oh, you got to go to black, got to go black. So the guy reached out to me, puts in an information request, says, man, Edgar told me, got to go to the class, going to be great. Told him, yeah, get you in there, it'll change your life, 48 hours, I'll give you a guarantee. And so I don't hear from the guy for a couple of days. And then he says something like, well, yeah, it's just a lot of money, $2,000, a lot of money, and blah, 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 blah. You know, all of a sudden, uh, all the reasons why now he doesn't need to go. And I said, listen, I never let money be a reason why you, someone goes. I'll work with you. We have a payment plan, put 500 bucks down and 200 bucks a month till it's paid off. Uh, but I'll work with anybody. Uh, I don't let money be a reason why I help people. And so I figured, you know, uh, let's get you in class. And it was a couple more days. And then all of a sudden, I got this long text. Not an email, not a phone call, because an email I could respond back to, more interact with, uh, uh, a uh, message I could respond back to, verbalize. But here's how our BS plays out. I really appreciate someone like you helping others. So he doesn't know me at all, but notice he's assuming he knows me. Uh, someone like you helping others, Mr. Black, it's a passion of his. Now, n- not only does he do it, so I do it and he does it. The money is a little tight right now, and I have a debt I need to pay because I want to quit my job because I, I can chase my dreams. I made a decision before, and I purchased something that's going to help me for sure. But I regret that decision because i got to take care of my finances first and not spend money that I don't have. And to be completely honest, something inside of me telling me that I'm not going to hear something new. Now, here's the BS. So everything else stopped. When I heard this, I was done. I was going to respond again to him. And to be completely honest, something inside of me telling me that I'm not going to hear something new. First of all, it's not about what I say that impacts people. On the radio show, yeah. But in the class, it's real. It's what I do. It's what you do. Because people remember a little bit about what they say, but they remember what they do. A picture's worth a thousand words. So saying something, communication is only 7% words, only 7% of communication. So isn't it amazing though? Completely honest, something inside of me, getting all his voice in his head, all his self-talk, telling me I'm not going to hear something I haven't heard. No offense, Mr. Black. He, he doesn't know me. Why would I be offended? He, he's, he does me not. I heard you're so talented and really good, and people leave you with a different mindset and feeling better. But I did all that. So he again doesn't know me, never met me, knows nothing about me, but yet he did all that. Do you see how the voice in our head? I went to Tony Robbins Sumner. It was the most amazing experience of my life. Isn't it amazing? He spent $10,000 and got to see the God Tony Robbins, changed his life with the most incredible things, and yet nothing's different in his life. I learned a lot, changed my mindset. We got tools and strategies to make a change. And then I come home feeling awesome for a few months, and then life took over. Not because Tony didn't teach me how to deal with it, because he did. I'm the one who go uh, who needs more discipline, and I have enough reasons, a big wise to get there. See, he knows all the t-shirt slogans. He knows all the sayings, but nothing's changing. And based on his past, he's now destroying his future. So the writing on the wall, been there, done that. How about this one? I had a gentleman in Vegas. Uh, had a lot of mental stuff. Could tell a lot of family of origin issues. Uh, basically talks about controlling his life from his mind. And he has an inner battle. Almost multiple personalities. Really struggle in class. Had a big outcome. Part of his problem was his wife uh, has a lot of uh, psychological process uh, problems. She um, is not too stable. Uh, she has a lot of family of origin issues. Uh, cannot deal with stress. Shuts down. Cannot even go to the store with her kids. And so we're coming to Vegas, and this guy helped go to class. He didn't pay me anything. I paid the $2,000, put this guy in the class, had a huge impact. Call up his wife, see if she wants to go, get us a gift, another $2,000. They don't have to pay anything. And she basically tells me uh, that uh, she's good, that she's working on herself, she's building her self-confidence, that she has social anxiety issues. Matter of fact, she wanted to brag that yesterday for the first time, she's in her 30s. For the first time yesterday, she went to the store with her three kids. She was never able to go to the store with her three kids. She had so much social anxiety, never been able to do it. And they're like, I think one of them's like eight, seven, eight. So we're talking about eight years. So here's a woman, a mother of three kids, who stays home all days with her kids, who has a lot of family of origin issues, whose husband has some issues, like we all do. She has some issues, can't even go outside with the kids, she, and yet she does voice work, and she was worried that she might lose her voice, uh, and wouldn't want that to affect her part-time income for that week. 
So I'm going to go ahead and stay stuck and broken, all that. But I'm going to do that because the writing on the wall says I'm good. This is where somebody's lying to us. Somebody's writing on the wall some fo- some lies. It looks like uh, you know state-run media took over our own narrative, our own because the writing on the wall says that we're going to be good. Let's stay stuck in our pain. Let's stay stuck in our trauma. Let's not take advantage of a gift that someone gave us. Not let's take. Let's do it on our own because we do things so well on our own. And let me do it at my pace. Not be pushed. Not be prodded. Not be uncomfortable. You know what the writing on the wall says there? Failure. And this is what rips me apart because there's so much that we can do. And so it all comes down to our programming. See, the writing on the wall is our programming. And it's made up of four things. And what we got to realize is so much of it has to do with our own beliefs. And after the break, I'm going to go into some of Dr. Marston's work of how he created the disbehavioral profile. Why do people act the way they do? You know why people act the way they do? Because of the writing on the wall. It's because of what they've been doing, what's been done to them, what are the patterns. And so once you understand what's causing the writing on the wall, you can change what's happening. And then eventually you're going to change the writing on the wall. Today I'm black and we'll be right back. We are all in the construction business, constructing memories, relationships, new ideas and a legacy that will outlive us. Life is best imagined as a construction project. Hey, can we get that backhoe over here? At Like It Matters, we craft tools and teach you how to use them. Mr. Black has a bevy of tools to help you build your life into your dream. One of those tools is individual life counseling. The best analogy is a life caddy, because sometimes you just need another set of eyes. A second tool, books by Mr. Black, always opening up your mind. Third, workshops, where we teach people how they work and how to function at a higher level. And don't forget the radio show, Like It Matters. Nice job. That's it for today. Wrap it up. Contact Mr. Black at mr.black at likeitmatters.net. Building a better you today. Likeitmatters.net. Helping people live their lives like they matter. That's mr.black at likeitmatters.net. Discover the tools to build your relationships, your vision, and your life. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio, living life like it matters. And today we're talking about the writing on the wall. In other words, there are patterns in our life. Our pattern, the end of it, should not be a surprise. I mean, when people don't plan to fail. They fail to plan. If you come to the end of life and you're surprised, if you're confused, if you're concerned, man, there's no reason for that. Proper preparation prevents piss-poor performance. That's why I do this radio show, likeitmattersradio.com, an hour of power. That's why I do my two-and-a-half-day intensives. I got three two-and-a-half-day classes. Go to likeitmatters.net. That's why I do a daily scriptural blog at wayofwarrior.blog. That's why I do a bi-weekly podcast called Living Life Like It Matters. That's why I do life caddy work. There's no reason you should come to the end of life. You could come to the end of, the, of your life and be prepared, being confident, knowing that the writing on the wall is based on what you've done. That's what we're here for. You should not fear. Oh, fear. Or oh, death, where is your, your sting? Oh, oh, Gray, where's your fear? I mean, you just move beyond that. When you live your life like it matters, when you know who you are and whose you are, you don't need to fear death. I'm not interested in the process of dying. But I'm looking forward to taking my last breath on this planet and then opening my eyes in the presence of my God, because that's what I was created for. And what you got to realize today, we're talking about, I want to give you tools to help you so you're not surprised by the writing on the wall, that you can write your own writing on the wall, live your life in such a way that you basically encourage God. Here's what I'd like you to write on the wall at the end of my life. And the way you do that is by living your life that way. That's how you do it. And so Dr. William Marston, who's considered the father of adult learning, taught us that basically our, what our writing on the wall is, it comes down to all the stuff inside of us, all of our belief systems, all the stuff that we do. Matter of fact, the writing on the wall is about cause and effect. It's your programming. And it's made up of four things. It's made up of your beliefs. Remember, everything you do or do not do is driven by a belief. And the, inside those beliefs, your values, what do you hold valuable who are you? Why are you here? What's your, if, if I was to ask your best friend to give me five words to describe you, what would those words be? Those are your values. 
And then your self-talk. We have 30 to 60,000 thoughts per day. That's what thinking is, is talking to yourself. And what we believe is what we listen to over and over and over. That's what we believe. And all that equates to what really is your operating system, your frame, your running narrative. This ties into self-talk, what ties into your belief, ties into your values, the meaning we put on our past. You know, I'm reading this great book by Gene Edwards. Highly recommend it. He has the three of them. But actually, I just finished listening to it. I lied. It's not reading. I'm listening to it. It was called The Prisoner in the Third Cell. And the opening of this, and I, I, re- I heard it four times, and then I read it and just floored me. This is the opening of that book called The Prisoner in the Third Cell by Gene Edwards. I'd highly recommend it. It says, Dear Reader, no one can fully understand the pain you feel as you suffer your present situation, whether it came upon you because of circumstances or by the deeds of men. One thing is certain. Before this present tragedy entered into your life, it first passed through the sovereign hand of God. Man. Stunning. And in there he says, God has a university. It's a small school. Few enroll. Even fewer graduate. Very, very few indeed. God has this school because he does not have broken men and women. Instead, he has several other types of people. He has people who claim to have God's authority and don't. People who claim to be broken and aren't. And people who do have God's authority, but who are mad and unbroken. And he has regretfully a great mixture of everything in between. You know, say in his second book, A Tale of Three Kings, he says this, you know, talking about David and Absalom and Saul. said, David was caught in a very uncomfortable position, however. He seemed to grasp a deep understanding of the unfolding drama in which he had been caught. He seemed to understand something that few of even the wisest men of his day understood. Something that in our day, when men are wiser still, even fewer understand. And what was that? God did not have, but wanted very much to have, men and women who would live in pain. God wanted broken vessels and see it's a mindset and see some of you that's a huge threat but this is where dr marston's research came in that we have two driving forces you have basically your environment and if you think your environment is favorable you're going to respond one way if you think your environment is unfavorable you're going to respond a different way and if you're a child of god the bible says that you live in an unfavorable environment that the world is against you the system that your flesh is against you, that the devil's against you because you're a child of God. And so you got to understand, you can think your environment is favorable towards you. This is your world. Uh, you fit in well with the, the Marxist and, and the, the people who hate America, the people who hate God. And somehow you think, uh, you know, you fit in well there, whatever reason. And then they have a personal power. That's the second piece. Your ability. Are you able to overcome things? And then based on those two things, Dr. Marston in the 1921-22 book wrote called Emotions of Normal People basically identified the four behavioral profiles of DISC. And it comes from the Hippocrates, right? Where Hippocrates took four fluids and basically said all the personalities in life can be branded into those four fluids, right? And I really don't want to go into that right now. I got it right in front of me, but that's only got a few minutes left. And by the way, if you listen to podcasts, podcasts, there's going to be extra information. So this is a radio show. You've heard this on radio show. But for the next segment, for those who listen to the podcast, I'm going to give you another segment just to kind of play this out because I have a little more time on my podcast. So if you listen to the podcast, uh, this, uh, uh, when I say it's the last segment wrapping up, just know there's a fifth segment of unheard content, brand new content. The radio show will be done for the day so you got your d i s and c and if you understand how personality uh, uh profiles work basically all behaviors put into certain categories and with the disc behavioral profile it's put in four categories d i s and c now the d those two coordinates remember we talked about your environment you see it as uh favorable or unfavorable and then are you more uh, basically, is your, do you have personal power to handle things or do you have personal power that you're not able to handle things? 
And so that's how you can figure out what the personalities are. See, for the D personality, they feel they can handle any situation. They think their environment is against them. So they're that ready for attack, ready for the, the wounded bear, but that they are powerful to overcome anything. I'm a D personality. A D personality is more outgoing because we got to take it on. We got to bring, we got to go to the battle and more task oriented. We got we to gotta, uh, check boxes, get things done, right? So D's come across as dominant, direct, demanding, decisive, determined, and doer. Then you have the I personality. The I personality, uh, they see their environment as favorable, so they, everything's good. And they see themselves uh, as more powerful than the environment. So they normally got a smile on their face. They're normally happy. Their best friend's the person who's right in front of them. The best movie they ever saw is the one they just did, right? Because they think that their uh, environment is favorable and they have the power to deal with their environment. And so you'll hear words like inspiring, influencing, impressionable, interactive, impressive, interesting people. They're also outgoing like a D, but they are more people oriented. And then you got the S. The S are more reserved and people oriented. See, the S personality uh, thinks that their environment is favorable, but their personal power is unfavorable. And so that's why they don't like change. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Things are going well. I've kind of fit in. I've got it working. So leave it alone. So that's why the S personality is more reserved, but people oriented. They're supportive. They're steady. They're steady. They're sweet. They're status quo. They can be shy. Now, the C personality thinks that uh, their environment is unfavorable and that their personal power uh, is not that great. And so they rely on facts and figures, rules, because, you know, that's where their security is. That's where their safety is. So they're more reserved and task oriented. They're cautious. They're calculated and competent. They're conscious. They're contemplative and they're careful. See, all that shows us based on those two things. This is what's going on. And see, that's all behavior. Now, the thing I like about the disc is it's wired behavior, but that's not how you have to be. Remember the neurological levels, the logical levels. It shows six levels. At the top is spirit. Below that's identity. Below that is belief system values. Below that's capability. Below that is behavior. Below that's environment. And it's a lot easier to change what you do than who you are. And so behavior can be changed. That's one of the reasons I don't like psychometrics. Because that just says, without thinking about it, on autopilot, this is how I act. And the problem is, if you act just how you act, then the writing on the wall is pretty clear. But I want you to know you can change what you're doing. What you do is not who you are. You have more power than you realize. Between the stimulus and the response, there's a space. And in that space is your power, is your freedom. I don't care how confusing the world gets. If we can remember who we are and why we're here and whose we are, then we can deal with anything. So remember, if you listen to the podcast, we got more content coming up after the break. For those of you on the radio show, you are under construction on the Like It Matters radio network. I am Mr. Black, helping you become more hopeful about your future, reminding you, when you live your life like it matters, it does. This is Scott Black of Like It Matters. As many of you know, I have been helping people to be the best they were created to be. COVID-19 has accelerated changes that I have been considering for some time now. Many more people need to receive the benefits of Leadership Awakening. Mental health in our communities is a real issue. We recently received our 501c3 nonprofit status with the emphasis of creating and delivering, taking back your power and your freedom to the least among us struggling with mental health issues. Please help us help others. You can save a marriage, save a business, or a life by supporting Like It Matters with your tax-deductible gifts. All gifts are needed, large, small, and everything in between. Please consider becoming a monthly partner at likeitmatters.net. Give today at likeitmatters.net. And by the way, Like It Matters Leadership Awakening classes will continue. Check out the schedule at likeitmatters.net as we build our training for those suffering from the challenges of poor mental health. God bless you. Welcome back to Living Life Like It Matters, and welcome to your extra content. You know, today we've been talking about the writing on the wall. In other words, it's how something plays out. And in 30 years of being a life caddy, in 30 years of being involved with the human potential, in 30 years of transforming lives at likeitmatters.net, 
I learned that we never do something because everything comes from something else. It is the patterns. And that's why you can almost tell who's going to be an addict, who's going to be an alcoholic, who's going to be an abuser. It's writing on the wall. Uh, it comes from things. If you're in a big orchard and there's snow on the ground and there's snow everywhere in the trees and there's the trees are bare and there's 10 foot of snow, you don't know if you're in a foreign place what type of orchard you're in. But if you're walking along the ground and all of a sudden you step on something, you dig through the snow and you pull out an old apple and then you kick another one, you see another old apple, you're going to assume that this is an apple orchard, or at least those trees right by you are apple trees, because that's what apples come from, apple trees, and that's the writing on the wall. The writing on the wall is when you plant apple trees, you're going to get apples. The writing on the wall is when you plant carrots, you might get nothing, but anything you do get is going to be carrots. It's the writing on the wall. It's how it plays out, because we begat. You know, from usually alcoholics begat alcoholics. Usually abusers begat abusers. Usually molesters begat molesters. I'm just going to tell you how it works out. But you don't have to play that same song. You don't have to play those cards. You can scratch that CD. You can break that LP. You can interrupt the programming. And, and that's why Socrates, all the way back, I mean, Socrates, you know, the I'm sorry, not Socrates, Hippocrates. Uh, you know, the Hippocratic Oath. Right, the Hippocratic Oath, what doctors share. Well, Hippocrates basically broke down personality traits into four categories. And he basically divided them into four body fluids and uh, distinct what he called humors, if you will. And he says that basically, if this is what you're seeing on the outside, the writing on the wall, here's what's getting you that. And he would call it yellow bile and black bile and blood and phlegm. You know, if you're yellow bile is choleric personality. You know, if you're balanced, you're you're an extrovert, you're a leader, you're convincing, you're restless. We call it D personalities. But unbalanced is excess anger and aggressiveness. Black bile would be melancholic, you know, personality. Balance would be serious but introverted, perfectionist, analytical. It's what you're looking at more of an S personality. Unbalanced is depression and rigid. Blood, sanguine type, balanced, social, expressive, extrovert, creative. That would be called an I personality. But unbalanced is a lack of willpower, forgetful, attention-seeking. And then the last one's phlegm, phlegmatic personality. Balance is introvert, calm, caring, dreamers. That would be an S-type personality. But unbalanced, resistance to change, lazy, and indecisive. Now, what happened was that Marston then took that and said, what's going on here? What would cause this? What would cause this writing on the wall? And he identified those two things, our own personal power uh, and then our own environment. But he also said, basically, we're either people are either outgoing or reserved or they're more focused on people or more focused on process or things. And so based on all that, he came up with a DIS behavioral profile. So the D are the outgoing task-oriented. The Ds see that their uh, environment is unfavorable, but they can overcome anything. They're a, bear, a bull in a china shop. They can push their way through anything. That's me. I personality is outgoing and personal focused versus the task focus. They see themselves, uh, their environment is favorable. And they see their personal power is able to handle any situation. So everything's a party. Everything's good. Everybody's their friend. Best thing they ever saw is what they just saw. The best thing they ever ate is what they just ate. They're not lying. They're not exaggerating. That's just how they feel in that moment. Now, the S personality is reserved and people-oriented, right? In other words, they think their environment is favorable. So, hey, I can get along. I can function in this environment. Uh, and they don't see their personal power as great. So change is uncomfortable because they could handle it before. So don't change it to where they don't know if they can handle it, right? And then C are reserved and task oriented. And there's, they see their environment as unfavorable. That's why they have trust in numbers and rules and laws. They, they always are sticklers for that. And they don't see their ability to handle a lot of conflict at that high. So, uh, again, that's why they act the way they act. See, it's the writing on the wall. This is where psychometrics come from. They come from the Greek words for mental measurement. 
It's a field of psychology devoted to testing, measuring, and assessing related activities. And so this is what you can tell with the writing on the wall. See, this is why, you know, now here's the same activity, getting on an elevator. So getting on an elevator, let me show you how the, the three different styles will approach it. So getting on an elevator, a D walks up, gets on the elevator, pushes the button that closes the door. The I lets others in and says, hey, there's always room for one more. Come on, you're, you're going to be late. We'll wait for you. The S will wait in line, moving from one line to another, appearing unable to make a decision. And the C will get on the elevator. If it's crowded, the C will count the number of people, figure out the weight, and make sure if it's not right, someone gets off. On a golf course, again, same activity. But notice how the four people respond differently. The writing on the wall is different. Why? Because the programming, because the belief systems, because of the narrative. This is what I'm talking about. These three things. It's your belief system, your values, and your self-talk. Those things create our operating system. And they're basically our programming. And that's why you'll see people in the same situation respond differently. It's not that they're evil. It's not that they're bad. They have different programming, and so the writing on the wall is different. So on a golf course, watch out for the D's driving the golf cart. They frequently play through groups of golfer. The I spends more time in the clubhouse talking than on the course. The S golfs the same day, the same time, the same place, using the same clubs. The C uh, actually inspects. I can't read this well. Uh, the, what is it? I can't see what this is. Lines up. Uh, so other people to play and make sure everybody's playing the right one. Make sure everybody knows the rules. Make sure their clothes are right and all that, right? It's hard to read the C. The C here I put in yellow and now it's not standing out. So the D in a movie theater comes in late, makes everyone stand while they're in the middle of the seat, right? They take the middle seat. Everybody has to stand up. Everybody has to move around the D. The I attends in groups. They do all the applauding, all the talking. They love the social interaction. The S gets there 15 minutes early. They're seeing the film for the fourth time, right? Now, the C, though, needs as many people as possible, right? Before attending, they talk to people. They find out, was it a good movie? Was it a not movie? Should I go see it? Should I See, they're stuck in all the details of it. That's what you got to realize. This is how people respond. Now, this is all behavior. So for a D, a major want, they want challenge. They want power. They want authority. They want to be in control. But I want flexibility. They want freedom of speech. And S wants stability, time to adjust, time to uh, make changes. A C wants time to analyze as much detail as possible. See, strengths for a D are quick action, create change, taking charge, getting results. But for an I, the strengths are verbalizing, generating enthusiasm, connecting people. The S is staying in one place, demonstrating patience. They're the best team members and they stay for 40 years. And the C is following directions, maintaining standards, checking for accuracy. This is what we got to understand, ladies and gentlemen. And all this comes from our programming. That's the key to understand. This is why I deal with this all the time. Talk about we got to go to the core of our beliefs. Why do you believe what you believe? What do those beliefs create in you? Why do you think we have so many, uh, so much uh, cognitive dissonance right now? People want to believe one thing, and so they're told not to think about their beliefs because if you actually logically play it out in your beliefs, it's illogical. It doesn't make sense. And so when you want people wanting to confuse you, when you want people wanting to manipulate you, they don't want you thinking on their own. You can't challenge it. Just follow the silence. Just do what you're told. This is why. Your values. When was the last time you decided how do you want to be remembered? What are the most important values? What are you willing to not only die for, what are you willing to live for? How about your self-talk? When was the last time you checked in those thirty to 60,000 thoughts per day? When was the last time you checked into that 34 gigabytes of information that you're taking up through your eyes, through your ears, through your experience? Right? I mean, there's so much going on. This is your operating system, your frame, the running narrative. This ties into our self-talk, which ties into our beliefs, which ties into our values, the meaning we put on our past. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is why it's so critical. This is why just because uh, the writing on the wall says this, you can change what the writing on the wall is going to be. How? You go to the structure. 
you take a look, you unpack your belief systems. What beliefs are serving you well? What beliefs are no longer serving you well? Remember, by the time a child is five years old, the majority of their map reality has been put in place. When was the last time you actually journaled your self-talk, checked in a couple times a day, and wrote out what you're hearing? I mean, have you actually listened to what's going on in your head? As I like to say, I've met the enemy and he's living in my shorts. If other people said and did to me what I say and do to myself, I'd never tolerate that. Which brings us to our values. Man, I'm counseling a guy right now that I think he's in with a woman that's in a bad match. They don't have similar values. And he waited for a long time at the end of his life to get into a relationship. He's financially stable and it just breaks my heart. Because I see him, we're not, he's not doing any of the homework I assigned to him. He's not doing that stuff because he doesn't want to take a look at what I'm saying. He wants to feel good. He wants to just go with his feelings. And, you know, it's his life. But, ladies and gentlemen, a lot of people are ruining their life because they're stuck with the writing on the wall. That's just my lot in life. That's just the way it is. That's just how I'm wired. And that's just a lie. That's just not true. You can scratch that CD. You can break that LP. You can pull on that A-track. You can create an ultimate up until now. It doesn't matter what you've been doing up until now. You can do something different today so that tomorrow is different today and the next day is different tomorrow. We call that change because when you want to live your life like it matters, get ready for some big change, Lear. You have been listening to Mr. Black, Master Trainer for Like It Matters. Please find us on Facebook by searching LIM Radio. Make sure to follow us, like our posts, and share with others. Also, search YouTube for Like It Matters. Be sure to like and subscribe to our channel. And for more information on how we can help you live life like it matters, go to likeitmatters.net where you can find more information on our transformational training, our life coaching, counseling, our radio show, and other ways we help you continue the journey of living life like it matters.